Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. Thanks for tuning in to the SMC podcast. My name is Austin Leonard. I'm on staff with Stumo at the University of Central Oklahoma. I'm really excited to dive into the topic of what I'm calling the holy habits. Today, we're going to be talking about some spiritual disciplines that I believe God wants to use to transform our lives. I remember growing up thinking that I was an extremely disciplined person, but this is mainly just because I was able to get out of bed without my parents having to wake me up and because I consistently got my homework done, something a lot of my friends couldn't have been able to claim. Uh, But when I got to college, I feel like I just saw how undisciplined I really was, especially when it came to spiritual things. So I started following Jesus my freshman year of college, and I remember pretty early on in following Christ, someone giving me a 30-day Bible reading plan, and then I got like legitimately three days into reading the plan before quitting. And I just remember thinking that I didn't know if I could ever be the type of person that consistently read the Bible and prayed. There were a lot of people, honestly, that I looked up to and had a ton of respect for, but it, it sort of just seemed like their lives were unattainable to me. But I think what I've realized over the years is that the people that I looked up to spiritually didn't become that way overnight. They became that way by making choices day by day to invest in their spiritual life. They were investing in the holy habits. I recently read a book by John Maxwell called Developing the Leader Within You. It's an awesome book. I would highly recommend it. But in one of the chapters, he quoted a poem by a guy named Dennis Kimbrough that I want to read for us. It says, I am your constant companion. I'm your greatest helper or your heaviest burden. I will push you onward or drag you down to failure. I am completely at your command. Half the things you do, you might as well just turn over to me and I will be able to do them quickly and correctly. I am easily managed. You must merely be firm with me. Show me exactly how you want something done, and after a few lessons, I will do it automatically. I'm the servant of all great people and alas of all failures as well. Those who are great, I have made great. Those who are failures, I have made failures. I am not a machine, though I work with all the precision of a machine plus the intelligence of a human. You may run me for profit or run me for ruin. It makes no difference to me. Take me, train me, be firm with me, and I will place the world at your feet. Be easy with me, and I will destroy you. Who am I? I am a habit. Here's what I think Dennis is getting at. He's saying, the habits that we have will make or break us, and we decide which it is. If you are listening to this podcast, it's probably because you have a genuine desire to grow in your relationship with God. Or maybe you were in a similar position that I was in, where there's people in your life that you look up to, but you just had the thought of, I'll never get to their level spiritually. But here's what's crazy. You can. Even the wisest people that you know, the most well-known pastors around the world who seem to have so much knowledge, all of them started exactly where you are at today. But it didn't just happen overnight. It happened over the course of years and years of small little habits that you could start even before leaving SMC. 
So my intention with this breakout is to be extremely practical. And so there may be times where you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose, but I I would encourage you to either go re-listen to the podcast or if there's something that really sticks out to you, just to pause it and kind of just reflect. I read a book over the summer called Habits of Grace by a guy named David Mathis, and he talked about the different spiritual disciplines uh, and, and he basically outlines three different areas that we need to develop in in order to grow in our relationship with God. And so that's what I want to do with this breakout. We're going to talk through the three different principles that you need to develop in order to grow in your relationship with God. And then at the end, we're going to talk through how to actually build habits that will last for a lifetime, how to build habits that will take you from a spiritual beginner to the type of person who has incredible depth in their relationship with God. So let's jump in. When you think about a relationship at its most basic, relationships are all about communicating. For whatever reason, I think girls have kind of figured this out. For guys, there's a little more of a learning curve, right? Like if you think about a little girl and give her a couple dolls, what do they what does she do? She makes those dolls communicate. They talk to each other. But if you give those same dolls to a little boy, what does he do? He'll like smash them together, throw them across the room. And so there's more room for improvement for guys for sure. Uh, But when I got married, this was something that was really challenging for me. Like I'm the type of dude, I love to give advice. I love to uh, fix people's problems. But over the years, I think what I've realized is that my wife just wants me to listen to her. She just wants me to listen to the things, not necessarily to fix her problems. And so... um. When my wife and I are communicating, it's almost always my goal to listen to her first and then to speak back to her. Communication is the foundation of relationships. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, it's the exact same. We communicate with him. And so that's the first principle that we're going to talk through is how to listen to God's voice. And so we're going to call this principle, hear his voice. Can you imagine how insanely valuable it would be to know how to listen to God's voice? Seriously, like, wouldn't it be insane if somehow God personally spoke to us? Here's what's crazy. He does. He literally gave us his words so that we could hear him speak and listen to his words. God gave us the Bible so that we could know what he's like and know how to have a relationship with him. Listen to James 1.21. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. God gives us his word so that we can know how to be saved from the punishment of our sin. But that's not all. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word not only tells us what he's like, how to have a relationship with him, how to be saved from our sin. This verse says that his word also equips us for every good work, meaning that everything that God would expect from us is written clearly in his word. And so the first step in growing in our relationship with God is learning to intake his word. There's an illustration that I love that outlines the five ways that we can intake God's word. It's called the word hand. 
And so here's the idea behind the word the word hand. If I want a firm grasp on God's word, if I'm going to hold the Bible in my hand, then I need to use my entire hand in order to get a firm grasp on it. So the less fingers that I use in my grip, the less of a grip I'm going to have on God's word. And so the word hand is just each finger representing a different way that we intake God's word. And so the first finger is the pinky finger, and it stands for hearing. Hearing the word is what we do when we listen to pastors or teachers uh, teach on the word of God. And this is important because it can provide some awesome insight into the scriptures that we may not have otherwise known. But there's a reason that hearing is on the pinky. And this may be surprising, but it's because hearing is actually the weakest of all the ways to intake God's word. And it's because that most people only retain 5% of what they hear. It's valuable, but it's not enough on its own. And so the next finger, our ring finger, is reading. And so reading the Bible gives us an overview of the whole Bible, and it really is the, it's the foundation of what we do whenever we're spending time with God. But even reading is incomplete on its own. Most people only retain 15% of what they read. The next finger is studying. So thoroughly studying the Bible. This is where we can really start to deepen our conviction and gain wisdom from what the scriptures teach. It's incredibly valuable. But still, most people only retain around 35% of what they study. And so the next finger is memorizing. Memorizing scripture, this, this is next level stuff. Memorizing scripture makes it, makes it to where no matter where you are or what you're doing, scripture is readily available in your mind for the Holy Spirit to help you fight sin, to get encouragement from God's word, to share your faith with others, so much more. If you review the verses that you've memorized, you retain 100%. So the last finger, the thumb, is meditating. Meditating is on the thumb because it touches all of the other fingers on the hand. Meditation is where you're mentally chewing on what you've just heard or read or studied or memorized so that you can actually understand and apply it to your life. So that's the five ways that we intake God's word. Obviously, my explanation for these five things, uh, is, it's really just an overview. And so if you have questions on what any of these look like, whether it's how to actually study God's word or about memorization, I would, in highly, I would highly encourage you to go listen to the other SMC podcast that are over those topics specifically. And so that's the first principle of how to grow in our relationship with God. Have a steady intake of the Bible. Hear his voice. So as we're talking about communication being the core of relationships, if God's word is is him speaking to us, then the second principle that we're going to talk about is us speaking to God. And so we're going to talk about prayer. We'll call this principle have his ear. So to put it simply, prayer, it's really just how we communicate back to God. It's not any more complicated than that. It's simply just talking to God in the form of worshiping him, asking for forgiveness of sins, thanking him, asking him for things. Listen to Jeremiah 29, 12. It says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Think about that verse for a second. We can call on God and come to him, and then he listens to us. 
The Bible literally says that the God who created the entire universe will listen to you. That is crazy. And so in the same way that there's different ways to intake God's word, there's different ways to engage in the discipline of prayer as well. And so I want to just talk through three of those different ways that we can engage in prayer. The first is to pray in secret. And so this is probably the one that comes most naturally for people, but it's also honestly the most difficult. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Very truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Your private prayer life, it's often a test for how your relationship with God is. It tests whether or not you're real. Here's why. It's because when you're alone, there's nothing to be gained from private prayer except intimacy with God. You can't impress people with how awesome your prayers sound if you're alone. Praying in private is the foundation to a deep prayer life. That's the first thing. The next is to pray with others. And so you might be thinking like, wait, Austin, didn't you just say like Jesus told us to pray in private so that we're not doing it to impress others? Really the heart behind Jesus saying that is, is that he doesn't want our prayer to be about us impressing other people. He wants it to be about us communicating with God. And so praying with others is really valuable. If you look in in Acts chapter 2, right after Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that his followers were constantly meeting together to pray. And this is a theme that we see throughout the scriptures of, of people meeting together to pray. For me, this has been an area that's helped me develop my prayer life. Hearing the things that other people pray for, the way that they speak to God, it's really challenged the way that I pray personally. The third thing, the third way that we can engage in prayer is in fasting. In fasting, it's it's where we just voluntarily forego food, deciding not to eat for a period of time just as an act of spiritual worship. And so some of you might be thinking, uh, there's there's nothing spiritual about when I miss meals. And I'm honestly with you, like I, I can get hangry after a while. But here's what's crazy. Later in, in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about fasting, and he says, when you fast, when you fast, not if you fast. For Jesus, it's an expectation that, that we are fasting. And really what we're doing when we're fasting is we're, we, we fast because we're saying to God that we desire him more than we desire food. We want God so much that we're literally willing to deny ourselves things that we need in order to have more of him. And so I would challenge you just to try out fasting from a single meal. Skip lunch and then use that time to to pray instead. And then after you've done that a few times, you can build up to longer fasts. But here's what I think you'll realize if you fast, because it's, it's the same thing that I realized. You'll realize that you are way more controlled by your desires and emotions than you thought you were. It is hard to deny ourselves and to want more of God, but it's so valuable. So that's the second principle to develop. Have his ear. 
The third and final principle that you need to develop in order to grow in your relationship with God is your relationship with other followers of Jesus. So we'll call this principle belong to his body. Another way of saying it is fellowship. So I'm not going to spend as much time here because we'll be uh, discussing fellowship kind of throughout the conference, but I love the way that David Mathis puts this, this idea of fellowship. He says, The essence of fellowship is having in common Christ and the common life or death mission in the summons to take the faith worldwide in the face of impending persecution. He goes on to say that fellowship, it's less like friends getting together to watch the Super Bowl, and it's more like the players on the field who share blood, sweat, and tears with each other in order to accomplish their mission. So in the context of our walk with God, fellowship, it's about knowing each other, going deep with each other, staying close to each other so that we can engage each other in our common mission. Without these things, you cannot thrive in your relationship with God. And so here's a couple different aspects of fellowship that every follower of Christ needs to partake in. The first is to join a local church. God uses churches in so many ways to draw us closer to him. At a local church, like he, he draws people in from all different stages of life for us to learn from. We can experience sound teaching from his word, from, from pastors. We get to partake in worship. Every person needs to join a church if they want to grow in their relationship with God. The second thing is to join a Bible study. And when I say that, I don't just mean any Bible study. I mean, join a group where you are regularly confessing sin and encouraging one another. More than likely, your campus is going to have small group Bible studies that you can join whenever you get back to campus after break. And these are going to be the people who encourage you and spur you on to continue reading the Bible, to continue praying, to continue sharing your faith and growing in your relationship with God, even when you don't want to. Both of these things, joining a local church, joining a Bible study, are necessities for growing in your relationship with God. We're not meant to follow Christ alone. We're meant to have a team to do it with us. And so that's it. Those are the three principles to develop if you want to grow in your relationship with God. Listen to his voice, his word. Have his ear, prayer. Belong to his body, fellowship. So before moving on, uh, I want to take just a second to pause this recording, and I want you to think through this question. I'd highly encourage you to write down your answer, either on a notebook or, or in the notes on your phone. But for each of the different principles, what's the area that I need to develop in? What's the area that I need to develop in, in each of those three different areas? Ask yourself that question. And so for, for an example, if it's on God's word, which of the five aspects of intaking God's word do I need to develop in? Then you'll do the same for prayer and the same for fellowship. So go ahead, pause this podcast, write down your answers. So now I want to move into some time of application. How do we actually build habits that will allow me to intake God's word, to pray, to be a part of his body? There's an incredible book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. 
It's not actually a spiritual book, but he talks about different principles of how to build good habits and break bad ones. And so as I was learning about some of his methods of, of habit building, I thought, what better habits could we build than the ones that draw us closer to God? And so we're going to walk through his four laws to build a habit. And so these four laws can be applied to any of the principles that I talked about, but I'm just going to walk through reading the Bible, how to build the habit of reading the Bible, and how we can use these four laws to solidify that habit. So the first law to build a habit is to make it obvious. So this law covers all the ways in which we can remind ourselves about our habits, to strengthen the good ones, to stop the bad ones. And so in the same way that you can break a bad habit with the out of sight, out of mind idea, the opposite is also true. And so if I had a bad habit of eating unhealthy because I've got cookies sitting on my table, I'm less likely to eat those cookies if they aren't just sitting out on the table. If something is abundantly visible, we're more likely to think about it. So when you're thinking about deciding what habit you want to build, start with this sentence. I will blank behavior at blank time in blank location. And so if it's if it's reading the Bible, if that's the habit we're trying to build, it would read, I will read one chapter of my Bible at 9 a.m. at my kitchen table. And so that's the habit. That's the habit that we're trying to build. And from there, you're doing everything that you need to in order to make that habit obvious and something you will remember. So it might be, in order to read my Bible at 9 a.m. at my kitchen table, I'm going to set my Bible, pen, and journal on the table ready for me to go in the morning. My Bible is sitting out, and so that, that's what I'm doing to make it obvious. James, uh, in his book, he also talks about what he calls habit stacking, which is basically just where you attach your new habit to an old habit that you're already doing. And so here's the sentence that he gives for us to, to fill out. After blank current habit, I will blank new habit. So again, if we go back to the reading the Bible example, we could say, after I wake up and brush my teeth, I will read my Bible. Or maybe you're the person who doesn't think brushing your teeth is necessary in the morning. <laughs> then it would just be, okay, after I wake up and make a cup of coffee, I will read my Bible. Or maybe it's after I wake up and eat breakfast, then I will read my Bible. So you can attach the thing that you want to do to the thing that you are already doing. And so that's the first law, is to make it obvious. The second law is to make it attractive. And so it's not enough to make the habit obvious. There has to be an aspect that makes it attractive, something that you actually want to start doing if you're really going to follow through with it. And so one way to do this is by combining that habit that I'm trying to create with a habit that I already want to do. And so here's the sentence for us to fill out. After blank habit that I'm trying to create, I will blank habit that I want to do. And so back to the reading the Bible example. If reading my Bible is the habit that I'm trying to create and eating breakfast is the habit that I already want to do, it could read, after reading my Bible, then I will eat breakfast. So no Bible, no breakfast. I've heard of people doing that. Or maybe, uh, if you're not a breakfast person, maybe it's after reading my Bible, 
I will get on Instagram. So, no Bible, no Instagram. And here's what's interesting about this law too. James says that what makes habits most attractive is when they help us to fit into a group. And so, he says that if there are certain habits that you want to be a part of your life, then you should become part of a group that's already doing those habits. And so, when I read this, it just made so much sense. And I think that's why doing something like going to Kaleo or joining a small group back on campus is so valuable. Habits become more attractive when we're part of a group that is engaging in those habits already. I.e., I'm more likely to read the Bible if I'm a part of a group that is also consistently reading the Bible. So that's the second law, is to make it attractive. The third law is to make it easy. This step is all about simplifying your habits and making them easy. But sometimes the only thing that you can do to make a habit become easy is to make your bad habits really hard. So here's an example. For me, I have a bad habit of immediately getting on my phone as soon as I wake up. And so this makes reading the Bible for me hard because whenever I get on my phone and spend a bunch of time, I'm just cutting away at the time that I have in the morning to actually read my Bible. And so what I needed to do to make Bible reading an easier habit for me is to make getting on my phone in the morning something that's hard. And so iPhones have a downtime feature that you can set up that locks your phone starting at a certain time at the night before and it'll go like into the morning. Uh, and so that would make getting on my phone in the morning more difficult if my phone was locked up. Another simple solution that I've tried is just plugging my phone in away from my bed so that I can't just wake up and then immediately grab it. Both of those ways are things that I've done to, to make a bad habit hard in order to make the good habit easier. And so when your bad habit, uh, that's a question that I, that I want you to think through is what, what's the bad habit that you need in order to um, make it more difficult in order to make the good habit easier? So that's the second, the second principle is to make it easy. The third principle, the third law, is to make it satisfying. Make it satisfying. So give yourself some reward for completing your habit or for accomplishing some sort of streak. And so if you think of some sort of reward that you can give yourself, give it to yourself after hitting a 10-day streak of your habit. Maybe, maybe your streak needs to be longer, but you can also flip this and give yourself a punishment for not hitting your streak. You can also use what James Clear talks about as a habit tracker, where you're keeping track of your habits and how you're doing on your goals. And so maybe uh, you could get a sheet that has a 30-day Bible reading plan, and then each day that you complete, you're just crossing off another day on the sheet. It can be incredibly satisfying to cross off each day and see how much progress you've made. If you do miss a day, like just, just make sure you don't miss two days, and then just get back on as, as quickly as as possible. And so what we're going to do now is just move into a time of uh, filling out these four laws to try and build a habit. And so think about a spiritual discipline that you want to grow in, a habit that you want to build. And we're going to take just a few minutes to walk through that habit and the four laws that we need to engage in in order to make that habit solidified. So go ahead and pause this recording and then do that.
I hope you all got some solid plans for new habits you want to build. But here's the reality. You aren't going to do this perfectly. You're going to fail. You're going to fall short of the goals that you've set. But the end goal isn't just about becoming a really disciplined person or about accomplishing all these goals that you've set. The goal is transformation in our relationship with God. And that doesn't happen overnight. It happens a lot of times over a long, boring, monotonous period of time. But here's the truth. The habits that you engage in today forms the person that you become tomorrow. So let's build some habits to become the person that God desires us to be. Thanks for tuning in to the SMC Podcast. You can listen to all of our other breakout sessions on Apple Music and Spotify at SMC 2022 Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.